When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. BM.com. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. What's it like preparing for Breeze? It's different than it has been the last two weeks. This guy is amazing. You know, when you talk about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, obviously he's going to be one, uh, but he's very cerebral, accurate. He's moving well in the pocket. You know, I, I was watching tape today, and I'm like, how old is this guy? I thought he was, you know, getting old. But, you know, he's not really a runner, but he scrambles, and um, usually to find guys open. And he knows where to go with the football, and he's extremely accurate. The amazing thing when you look at him, it just doesn't seem like there's a physical deterioration or any kind of... Breeze. Yeah, I mean, no. he's 39. It doesn't seem like he's... No, he's... <laughs> he should retire, too. Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah! We got the Purple Live crew in here. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, Matthew Collar, and uh, Mike Zimmer. I, we, let's play this one more time. The first five seconds. Courtney, this is one of our favorite clips, maybe in Mike Zimmer history. The first five seconds of this, when he cast shade upon the quarterbacks from the last three weeks. What's it like preparing for Breeze? It's different than it has been the last two weeks. This- Zing. Yeah. <laughs> I could Got swear him. on here. I'd say no blank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Just a slight uh, difference. Yeah. Slight difference from a guy who was 11 of 33 in the last three quarters of the Jets game to what Drew Brees did against the Ravens, the number one defense in the NFL. Yeah. Also, speaking of physical deterioration, hi, Judd. <laughs> oh, that's, that's oh, very, very. This is the football yeah, hour. We bring hurtful. it with our insults. Listen, Paul. <laughs> All I know is. Is after your criticism of Cousins on the Monday show, our listeners are down on you in a big way. Do you see so the tweets coming? You yes. Better, you better turn it around, all I've, of you. I've and, been included in these too. I don't think I was very negative. I just said he fumbles a lot. There was a tweet. There was a tweet included that said that I am now basically infecting both of you with my Vikings purple negativism. That's absolutely not true. You two are very negative. Without me. I mean, whoever thinks that we're just horrible, blood-sucking journalists should come sit next to us in the press box because you're absolutely <laughs> right. You are absolutely right. We have so much um, vitriol and hatred going on amongst the three of us that it's almost hard to contain. Somebody tweeted out here. This is to all of us, I think. I don't know if they included you, Courtney, on this. Matt Nelson tweeted uh, 52 minutes ago. Brett Favre, 2009. So Brett Favre, you could argue that 2009 with the Vikings was one of his two best seasons in his career. Through seven games, had the same completion percentage as Cousins, averaged 68 fewer yards per game than Cousins, almost nice, 
Uh, two fewer touchdowns. The, the point of this tweet is he's playing better than Brett Favre did the first half of the 2009 season. I mean, well, we know we, how that we, season are, ended. Are we really doing that? I mean, are, are we really taking old seasons from a decade ago? What, you know, why don't we look at Fran Tarkenton? You know what? <laughs> Cousins is way better than Tarkenton because all of his stats look better because it's 2018 and the average quarterback rating in the NFL is over 90. What was it even 10 years ago? It was, I guarantee you, it was probably around 80 10 years ago. And what Brett Favre was doing at that time was unbelievable because teams were still running the ball more. It wasn't as pass crazy as it is now. And I don't know how you could look at this Kirk Cousins season objectively in any way, even if you're excited about what they've done recently, but with any shred of objectivity and say, yeah, no, I'm completely confident in everything this person has done. I mean, how could you? Well, I don't he, think it's everything he's done. Well, but, but but if you're calling us negative, like some of these tweeters are, then that's what you're suggesting. Because all we have done is point out exactly what Kirk Cousins said himself after that game. That it was ugly. He said it was all over the map. I went back and watched the tape today. It was a bad day for Kirk Cousins. And he's had a couple of them. They scored six points against the Buffalo Bills. They went three quarters with scoring seven against the Pats. They didn't have a good first half at all against Arizona. And so you're going a couple of games in a row here where there have been some issues that are consistent across the board with this offense. And I think that's worth pointing out. That's not saying they should send him to the moon and bring back Case Keenum. That just means that I think Kirk Cousins makes fans nervous. And I think if you if you are looking at these last couple of games and the fumbles and the throw behind the line of scrimmage that's a fumble and things like that, the 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 sort of just brain freezes that he's had, there is reason to be nervous that that's going to come up in a big game like this week against New Orleans. The one area you can compare him to Brett Favre that I think might stand, and actually he probably won't even reach this number, Brett Favre does lead the NFL in fumbles, in career fumbles from 1991 to 2010. Did you look that up today? It's, it's right here. I oh, actually okay. wrote a story about it the other day. <laughs> ESPN day's. stats and info. Uh, no, this, you know, this is pro football reference all the way. I nice. feel like I, that's an interesting nugget. I feel like people think of Brett Favre as this guy with giant man hands who mm-hmm. never fumbled, right? But he So he led the NFL for a, almost a 20-year period yeah, in fumbles. and still does at 166. And that's something that when we talk about Kirk and some of those just blunders, because as Matthew pointed out, you're seeing kind of the same mistakes happen that happened in Washington where he's not sensing pressure and he's, you know, sometimes he's got his eyes down on the rush. Um, that's matriculating over to what we're seeing in 2018. Now, quarterbacks, I mean, look at the top 10 list of guys who fumble. I mean, Eli Manning's in there, Tom Brady, they're the only two active guys that are in the top 10. Super Bowl winners in there. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but why the fumbling is so, I guess, you know, uh, cause for concern with the Vikings right now is because of where they've happened um, and, and what's come out of them. I mean, the Vikings got very lucky on Sunday that Stephon Diggs knows how to play football and fell on that thing during, you know, the backward, on the backwards pass. I mean, that was going to be a turnover and that was going to put the Jets in great position to score. And, and that's something that you just can't have. And it's almost some, like sometimes these brain fades um, that we witness with Cousins. You, there's no real root to it. You oh, just, they're brain farts. Not just fans. They're I, farts. They're, I, it's flatulence of the brain in a very loud way, Courtney. Well, I think his I think his brain coach should be on the hot seat right what, now. What? Um, all right, all right, all right. There's a lot to unpack here, but we need to accept this. We're going to a very dark place in this town right now. And Kyle, you've been here three years now. Mm-hmm. Courtney, two years. We're second year, yeah. All right, we're going to a very, very dark place. And I get where we're going, but when people 
get mad. I get it. Viking, this is a very... What dark place are you talking about? The very scary recess of the brain of the Vikings fan who has to face the fact that this quarterback is good and they have faith in this guy. And this is a Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl team. This is not a nice team. This is a Super Bowl team. And when we talk about the shortcomings of the fumble and the plays that can end seasons, we are going to a place where Vikings fans have been before. And there is going to be a faction of them, and I don't blame them, and I feel for them, who have post-traumatic Vikings stress syndrome, who don't want to hear it. <laughs> but so okay, so I, it's really that it's really that simple. So I, I think so. The room agrees. He's capable of doing something either stupid or risky or fumbling because he doesn't sense pressure. Not only in big games, but in games against the Bills at home in week two or three. So we all agree on that. I think the question is, are those things going to be crippling blows at some point? Or or is his upside and what we've seen in the second half on the road against Green Bay, against the Rams, etc.? Um, are those are, are we have breaking news? Yeah, we got some breaking news. Uh, the Vikings just sent out a press release saying Everson Griffin to resume team activities on Wednesday. Interesting. So, Everson Griffin coming back to the Vikings. Interesting. Okay. Does the release say anything else? Um, it's got a statement from uh, General Manager Rick Spielman. says, we've been in communication with Everson's medical professionals throughout the process and have relied on recommendations regarding appropriate next steps for Everson. We are excited to welcome Everson back to the Vikings and see him around his teammates, coaches, and staff, people who care deeply about his well-being. Our focus will continue to be on providing an ongoing support system for Everson and his family. Why don't we do this? So I, I, I'm going to say goodbye. You guys, let's come back, talk more about Kirk Cousins, finish up that conversation. And now that one of the best defensive pass rushers is apparently back with the Vikings, what does that mean for the short term? What does that mean for the long term? Uh, we've got Courtney Cronin in the house from ESPN.com, Matthew Collar. It's the Football Hour and Purple Live from 6 o'clock until 7 o'clock, Judd Zilgad. First time to talk to Mr. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Let's check on your traffic quickly before we resume the football hour here in the TCL Broadcast Studios, 35W southbound. We've got a crash in Minneapolis between 3rd Street and 11th Avenue. Factor in about an extra 16 minutes to your commute if you're headed southbound on W. Judd? All right, football hour continues on. Zolgad, Manny Hill, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin. And uh, the breaking news is this. The Vikings just sent out a press release late this afternoon. Everson Griffin is going to resume team activities tomorrow, as in Wednesday, after uh, being away from the team since week two or after the Vikings' week two tie at Green Bay to uh, take care of some mental health issues. The quote from Rick Spielman, Vikings GM, we've been in communication with Everson's medical professionals throughout this process and have relied on his recommendations regarding the appropriate next steps for Everson. We are excited to welcome Everson back to the Vikings and to see him around teammates, coaches, staff, people who care deeply about his well-being. Our focus will continue to be on providing an ongoing support system for Everson and his family. Once again, that is Vikings GM Rick Spielman. So, Collar, this obviously is a a key step both for him and potentially for this team, which I think you could say very kindly in the past couple of weeks was uh, extremely shorthanded when it came to defensive ends. And this 
gives them back a Pro Bowl one. Yeah, I would say from his own standpoint that it was good that the Minnesota Vikings gave him the time that he needed because it was clearly a very serious situation. And as far as his own mental health and personal well-being goes, that's all you can really say without knowing the ins and outs of the situation. As far as the on-the-field football implications to this, it's a heck of a good week to get him back because he is a dominant player, and the New Orleans Saints and Taron Armstead have one of the best left tackles in the NFL. No surprise that they don't let Drew Brees get hit, and they made sure that they signed Armstead to a long-term contract. He's a great player, and so assuming Griffin is good to go for this weekend, which is a big assumption. That's what I, I was going to say. I, I don't safe, know if he is think? or not. No, I, I don't know if he isn't. I agree uh, with if you, he is, not. if he is, or he is not ready to go. But if he is, then wow, is that a big piece to get back? Stephen Weatherly did a really nice job, but what you see when you watch closely, when Everson Griffin is in there, yep. just how much opponents game plan for him because he is one of the most dominant players in the entire league. So they have to chip, they have to put two guys on him. They, they have to make sure they're giving help and paying attention to where he is at all times. And now if he comes back in this really big game against New Orleans, that's what they're going to get with their defense, with Daniil Hunter already playing about as dominant as you could play from that position. Do you think it might be plausible that, that they would bring him back to practice this week, get him back with the team, have him practice and not play on Sunday, then see where he is before the Detroit game, but... Think about holding him out for the next two games, the bye week, and then he comes back after that at full strength. Yeah, I really don't know. I, I, don't I mean, know. that does make some sense, right? I, yeah, no, it does. I just, I, I have no way of knowing like what kind of physical shape he's in. If Everson has been able to, you know, continue to work out the way that he normally would. He also had a knee injury, by the way, That's right. um, before, and that that kept him out of week three. That he wouldn't have played week three regardless of what happened there. So, uh, it, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to this to have any idea what's going to happen, whether he's going to be back this week or not. But as far as for the team goes and for him, I would imagine it's a positive sign for him personally to be able to get back around the team. And I know for sure that if you're going to be an elite defense, it's a little easier to do with Everson Griffin playing at your defensive end than it is Stephen Weatherly, with all respect to what Weatherly has done. If Griffin is playing well and comes back and plays like he did in 2017, Matthew Collar, is there a better starting defensive end tandem in this league than Hunter on the left and Griffin on the right? Um, not since Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware, probably. I mean, not that I can think of right off the top of my head. There are other really good defenses in the league, and a lot of them do it with interior pressure. There are some great edge rushers. The Chicago Bears have the premier edge rusher in the league in Khalil Mack. But to have a guy that has a sack, or a half a sack at least, in every game, in Daniil Hunter. I love the half a sack. And, and and that's the thing is that you know the attention turned to Daniel Hunter when Everson Griffin went out, Absolutely. and yet at the same time he continued to perform at this really high level. And if you are giving Mike Zimmer's defense front four pressure, then they are going to dominate. And the only question now is just you know is Xavier Rhodes healthy? Uh, I know that Doogie reported today that um, they're going to add another guy to the practice squad who's a cornerback, which may... Jalen Myrick, former golfer, I believe. Yeah, which which may be kind of a 
domino effect there. If they feel like um, Xavier Rhodes can't play, mm-hmm. then signing him to the practice squad could mean that Craig James is going to bump up. He is on the practice squad now, Craig James, which could say something about Xavier Rhodes' status. And so they're moving parts to whether this defense can get back to what it was last year, but they showed signs over these last couple of weeks. Going back to Philadelphia, causing the fumbles, putting pressure on Carson Wentz, confusing opposing quarterbacks on third down. They've gotten creative again. They have, yeah. And, I, I mean, so Anthony Barr said that they've simplified things, but I think in a way those third down rushes are just the staple of what Mike Zimmer has always done. And then he has added some things. I mean, a a three-man front was something he never really did before. In the last two weeks, we've seen some three-man fronts on third down and longs. So with them clicking now and getting him back whenever they might get him back, but just to have him within the season Mm -hmm. is really huge for the long-term view of the Vikings. So on Sunday, Joseph didn't play on Sunday. Um, Barr got hurt on Sunday. Rhodes uh, got hurt on Sunday against the Jets. Griffin sat out mm-hmm. among that among that group. If you don't, if you don't have which one that you might not have against the Saints is the most costly. Because to me, if Rhodes does not play, that's a big big ask of guys who have certainly fit roles, but now are going to have to go against that passing game and Drew Brees. And it's going to be extremely difficult, I think. So I haven't checked on the stats on Michael Thomas since his game against Baltimore, but I looked before going into Baltimore, and he had something like 46 catches on 50 targets or something. I mean, it's just crazy, the completion percentage when Drew Brees is throwing toward Michael Thomas. And that's the guy that Xavier Rhodes would be matched up with for an entire game. And so if they don't have him, if he's not 100%, then you really would be concerned about Michael Thomas lighting them up. Because we've seen Trey Waynes has taken big steps, and he had a great game against the New York Jets. That is nothing like going up against Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. He's physically dominating. And that's the thing with him is not a guy who runs the fastest 40, but just a physically dominating wide receiver who is tough at the top of his routes and will push off and and will battle for the whole game, that is really tough if you don't have Xavier Rhodes. And then the other thing is the moving parts. That means what does Holton Hill have this to is play? The key, this is the key right. to me. Right. Does J. The absolute does key, Ron Breeze, Breeze will expose you. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Does J. Ron Curse have to play, have to play starting nickel? Like Does M- McKenzie Alexander start outside and then move inside when they play three corners and Holton Hill comes in? God bless him. Yeah, I think so. undrafted I think so. kid, but Holton Hill. If if you put Holton Hill out there against Drew Brees on Sunday, yeah, that's that is asking a lot of that kid, right? And I think that that's so I'm with you on that. What they would have to do, and what they did a little bit on Sunday was they they would mix and match, but they were putting Holton Hill in the game on the outside, and you know it's it's not that the wide receivers are so incredible, other than Michael Thomas, the other weapons, but they're all good. They're all competent, and their quarterback is one of the greatest players in the history of professional sports. So if you're shorthanded in the secondary, that is that is very tough. Um, with Andrew Sandejo, he's still out too. And so that limits some of the other moving parts that you can put in there. Um, so we'll True. see. I don't True. have any update on Xavier Rhodes. It was just when you add another guy to the practice squad who's a corner, that makes you think someone's getting bumped up to the roster, and Craig James was here during the preseason and was pretty good in the preseason and training camp. So that would make sense that a guy who knows the defense, who learned it during the offseason, would be the guy they'd have to bump up to an active roster spot. And Rhodes 
Rhodes get, gets hurt a lot, and I get that, but he, he looked like a guy when, when he got hurt against the Jets who legitimately basically couldn't walk. Right. Which is why I don't trust he's playing. He got banged up a lot last year, and I, I began to say, oh, he's fine, he's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you can barely walk and function, then then if you're asked to play the following week, that to me sets you up for a potential fall. So I didn't I didn't see post game from Rhodes something that made me confident that, that he's going to be that he's going to be able to step in and play on Sunday. Yeah, and Mike Zimmer gave no update there at all, and he, he said he wasn't too concerned. It's a sprained ankle. I'm not buying that one bit. No, I, it might I, be sprained. We, we've but I'm gotten not buying that. It. Yeah, we've gotten yeah. that before uh, from Mike Zimmer of like, oh, it's no big deal with Sam Bradford's knee, <laughs> like. Nope, it was. It was a no, really a, big deal. It's really, really bad, Mike, I can tell you. <laughs> that's right. That he was... can't play anymore. Now, the low-key player is Linval Joseph, and we all just seem to know that Joseph is good, and there isn't really a lot of conversation to have about Linval Joseph. Joseph, good. But you really will see it, I think, against the Saints more than you did against the Jets. The Jets' two running backs were dinged up. Their center was playing hurt, and he's already not a good player anyway. And their game plan so, stunk. Their Matthew. game plan was bad, and just the, the Jets had a really tough day. But if you are facing Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, in that backfield against a team with a great offensive line that never allows pressure on Drew Brees, and they can run the football. Last year, they were one of the best running teams in the league with Ingram in and Kamara, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and not only that, where Linval Joseph will play a big role, too, is on the outsides and in screen passes and things like that, where he blows up plays or or does things away from the ball. If he can, though. What's a bad knee, a bad... He's got three things wrong now. Right, and that's what I mean, is that if he's not in, or if he is significantly slowed, that does make things a lot more difficult. So I... We'll see where they're at, but with the different injuries that they have, it could make a major difference. Like, is Griffin coming back? Is Everson, or is uh, Xavier going to play? I mean... that could make a big difference Mike, in how they handle Drew Brees. I'm going to give you a guess right now. I think Griffin doesn't play. Yeah. I think Rhodes doesn't play. Barr, I'm not sure. Joseph, I think, plays. I was shocked he, he didn't play. I was surprised, Against the too. Jets, because yeah. this guy's so damn tough. But I would, I would think that the logical progression for Griffin would be get him back with the team, have him ease in, into practice, I think that's a. I think that is asking a lot from a guy who's gone through what he has in the past month plus, probably yeah. to say, okay, we're playing the Saints on Sunday. Now go play. Right, right, and and maybe part of it is in terms of his value just to this weekend. If he can't play, is just to have him back and what he means to the leadership of the defense. They've come together since some of the tough times against Buffalo and especially against Los Angeles, and that's in part because Mike Zimmer has made tweaks and fixed a lot of the problems that they had, but they really lacked their leader there, their motor, their heart, that sort of thing. I mean, I I think that that's Everson Griffin on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. So to get the emotional boost of him coming back, I mean, there there is value in that even if he doesn't play. TCL Broadcast Studios, the football hour carries on after this. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. The Minnesota United are on the road in Columbus for the final match of the season on Sunday against the Columbus Crew. Tune in at 3 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by a kickoff at 3.30 p.m. with Dan Terhar. Catch all the action right here on 1500 ESPN. 
Thank you, Manny. Football Hour continues. Zolgad, Cronin, Collar. The uh, breaking news, Everson Griffin is returning to the Vikings. He will uh, be at the facility, it looks like, after being out since week two uh, tomorrow for practice as the Vikings begin preparation for their game Sunday night against the Saints. All right, Courtney, your thoughts on on what could what is initially certainly deemed a positive step in the recovery of Griffin uh, but the more I think about it, I really have trouble believing that he's going to play on Sunday against the Saints. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think it's too much too soon. And in such a sensitive, with such a sensitive subject, um, I think you have to be cautious in easing somebody back in and not just being like, everything's normal, everything's fine, go back to football, go back to game planning. Um, nothing will ever be the same for a guy like Everson Griffin after going through something this traumatic and this serious. Um, it uproot, you know, it, it turned his life upside down. And I think that that's something we all have to be very sensitive to that here's something we don't talk about in the United States of America. Mental health is an ongoing thing. Cancer, you can cure it. Bacterial infection, you can cure it. Mental health is an ongoing thing. It may stay with you the rest of your life. His Instagram post that he posted week four, about 40 minutes before kickoff in Los Angeles, said, you know, I'm taking the time to deal with issues I've been dealing with for a long time. This isn't something that's going to go away if 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 under the right circumstances he can monitor this and get back to his everyday life and what he was doing before, that's what you hope for. But um, you know, to think that oh, okay, everything's great, everything's going back to normal, I think is um, something that we, a very weird line that we you know this is, this is territory that we don't talk about that often, and it's something that we're not used to dealing with. So I think just in kind of what the conversation's going to be, I would assume that you know at some point he will t- address the media. It's not okay. Well, everything's resolved. I'm back to normal. It's time to go back to play football. It's you know I'm dealing with this. This is something that could continue to pop up. It's something that could continue to be a part of his everyday life. And, you know, knowing the support that he's going to have from the Vikings and how they're going to monitor this, I think is a huge part of this equation. It's obviously great news that he feels well enough. And the Vikings have said this all along, that they're kind of taking, letting him take the lead on this about, you know, we want, we just want Everson to get better. We want him to get healthy. We want him to be in a good spot. Clearly, they feel that way before bringing him back into a locker room of, you know, his teammates, his peers, which, you know, in his statement, he said, you know, being around my teammates and coaches is something I have missed for several weeks. Uh, while this is an exciting and positive move for me fo- forward for me, it is only the next step in a longer process. That's it. This is a longer process. This is not something that is cured overnight. It's not something that's just going to go away and magically he'll feel fine and he'll be back to who he is with that personality. Um this is this is going to take a while, but I think it is a good step that he is coming back. I mean, we hadn't heard that much in recent weeks. It's been brought up to Mike Zimmer every single week, and you know he's just kind of said the same thing that there's a lot of uncertainty. He gave a cryptic smile a couple of weeks ago, right? It was a wink. Zimmer, okay. It was so an insinuation, though, that I know something I'm not sharing with it's you. It's inappropriate, is what it was. That I'm sorry. That's over an issue like this. That's inappropriate. But, okay, but you. This is okay. This is where this gets very intriguing to me. What he went through, Griffin, I'm sure, was absolute hell, right? Mm -hmm. He's being reintroduced to possibly the most macho area of life. Yeah. Like, the football locker room's not normal. And and so, this is where I think you do, if if you're the team especially, you have to tread very carefully here, you guys. Because this is is not going back to work and, hey, you're back in the office and it's great and you can sit at your cubicle and and, and we're all also... This is... is, uh, a workplace that you guys see on a daily basis 
that is is very difficult to describe, but but it brings machoism to basically its highest point. Yeah, and there's so much pressure that goes along with just the day-to-day of being what, wherever you are in the NFL, whether you're the star player who's constantly trying to keep up that star status and earn the money that you're being paid, and we know that uh, NFL contracts are not guaranteed. After this year, the Vikings can cut Everson Griffin no strings attached yep. if they want to. So there's a lot of pressure for him to even just get back and prove that he needs to be here again next year, Because especially with how well Stephen Weatherly played, that they might look at this situation if he didn't come back and say, well, sorry, Everson, it's, it's a business. So there's pressure for him to get back on the field. But what's really tough for us, though, from the outside, even if we talk to people and even if we get a sense from teammates or people around the team, the only one who knows how he really feels is him yeah and he's going to try because he's a pro athlete and one of the greatest in the league he's going to try to get himself back on the field and so the way i'm i look at it is just we'll see when he gets back and we'll see when they feel comfortable with that whether it's this week or a few weeks down the road but it's really hard for any of us to guess which direction this is going to go because like you said courtney you don't snap your fingers and it's fixed so we know that it still exists but at the same time he's been getting treatment for weeks and no one can really say for sure outside of his doctors where he stands in coming back yeah and that's that's the thing i'm seeing all of this and i know there's an excitement and, and for obvious reasons these vikings fans want and obviously the team too are thrilled that he's able to overcome what he has to this point to feel comfortable enough to come back to work i just urge you to taper those expectations because this is somebody who's dealing with something that's not your typical I have an ACL injury I had surgery Mm -hmm. nine months later I'm fine this is not that this is something that you know and we don't know and I think it's going to be a good question to bring up to Everson did football influence this that's a topic a lot of people do not want to touch but it's one that has to be addressed did football did the hits to the head it's something that people have speculated about in, in, you know, kind of written from a columnist standpoint over the last few weeks that it's a question that just has not been asked. It's not something you ask Mike Zimmer. It's not something you ask Rick Spielman. That's a question that has to go to Everson Griffin himself. And I would say this too. What's the process now? Yeah. Like, like they clear him to play and say, you're fine. But that then is it up to Mike on you're going to play X amount of snaps and things go back to the same? Does a doctor step in and say, no, we got to be careful here, you guys? I'm just, because this is such an unusual circumstance, I'm very curious what the process is going to be now as far as being cleared to play, first of all. And then once he's cleared to play, do you just go back to it's week one again? Or do you say, well, no, 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 that's too much so he can play, but it's X amount because... Hmm. You're right, Courtney. It's not an ACL. It's not a a clear cut and dry. The doctor says this or that. Somebody else is, I would think, going to have to step in and set some parameters here. It's it's so much unknown. We don't know how to deal with this because we see this so few times in sports where guys come back from these types of issues. I think that they're going to be learning learning this as they go. I think the Vikings are. They certainly have some sort of plan in place. Otherwise, they wouldn't have announced it when they did and probably waited longer. But, um, you know, as Adam Schefter reported, that's what I was getting at earlier. The thing you said Mike Zimmer winked at, which, you know, if that's his way of saying, okay, ever since coming back sooner, there was so much uncertainty. And, and that report was true to that degree where he could have, you know, 
could have come back next week, may never play again. I mean, th- with something like this, you just don't know because I think it's so much more on the person themselves and how they're feeling than it is any sort of diagnosis you get for, okay, three weeks from now, three months from now, you'll be cured of this. Um, and I think there is something to be said. Someone brought this up I, on radio or on something that we were talking about a few weeks ago when this was all coming down, that sometimes it's better to get back in your work environment and get back to normal and get back to what what you were doing before things hit rock bottom, before you know he, he was brought in for... A, 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 the team was concerned about his mental health and his well-being. But... I think you have to tread lightly in bringing him back and not just assume, okay, let's go weeks, right. week eight, Saints game, Sunday night football, Everson Griffin on the right edge. No, I just think you have to be smart about that and not try to rush somebody back before they're potentially ready, even if they might think they're ready. Yeah, it's a uncharted territory for all of us, doesn't it feel like? I mean, even yeah. from a reporter standpoint, this is just not something that we stumble across very often, is someone who has a really serious mental health issue and is returning to the team. I was going to say, I don't I, recall one. Yeah, I, no. I'm sure my head. that some of these things have happened sort of behind closed doors, but just with what went on with Everson on that Saturday night and how all the details became public, and we all know about it, and that the team is dealing with it sort of publicly like this. I I wonder about what their level of transparency on this issue is going to be, because there are only so many things that they should be allowed to even tell us, right? I mean, and it's football, so probably not much is my guess. Well, I mean, it's HIPAA too. Like this is, this is health. And I mean, to, to a degree with the Vikings and, you know, there was, there were a lot of people saying, well, why don't we know more after the police report was, was released? And why didn't the team do more? I mean, a lot of that is stuff that, you know, to, to to their credit, they don't really have to say anything about it. But this is one where where what they tell us is not important. Handling it correctly behind the scenes is imperative. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like because if it's a knee, just tell me about it. Okay, guy's gonna be out of here. Just yep. tell me about it. But this is one where, where I honestly don't care what the team is going to tell us. What I do care about is that this is handled absolutely the correct way because the consequences of that not being the, the case could be very tragic. Not just my career's done too bad. And that's where I wonder about what their transparency level will be about the timing of bringing him back. I mean, no one's going to stand up there and say, come on, Drew Brees, have you seen him? We need this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there might be one or two reporters who do that. Come on. Never saying that right now to Griffin. What are you talking about? I'm sure. I'm sure. But, you know, why this timing made sense, I think, is a fair question to ask. And if there is a plan in place to help Griffin and future players like him, this guy is not the first ever to deal with this. My guess would be that there are many, many players who have dealt with this type of issue that we just never really find out about. I mean, wasn't it Brian Dawkins who talked about this at his Hall of Fame speech of of dealing with problems throughout his entire career, even from the very start in the NFL? And you don't want people to have to feel like they're hiding behind this. So with Everson, I I think laying out the blueprint of how pro sports franchises should handle mental health issues is important and that the pressure is on the Vikings to handle this properly. The hard thing here is the stigma associated with mental health and that we've seen this where people are courageous enough to say, hey, I have something here. I don't feel right. I'm going through something. 
And then people try to put them in a bubble and be like, well, you know, we don't want to say something to upset them or, you know, they you walk on eggshells around the person. Right. I think that's something that the Vikings definitely want to avoid internally. That's not something that we're going to be privy to um, just from seeing it every day at practice. But how he's treated in this locker room and, and that's there's no saying that, you know, that's not to say that it will be, you know, players are going to be walking on eggshells around him. I just think that it's something to keep your eye on. It's something to keep in conversation to alleviate this stigma with mental health because, you know, for the circumstances, he didn't come out with this saying, I have an issue. It, it, it He hit rock bottom Absolutely. with two separate incidents and his problems became public knowledge because he's a public figure in a Pro Bowl defensive end. Now is, I think, a chance to really rewrite the narrative that, hey, I'm a successful athlete. I've made millions of dollars. I have done this for nine years. I can I can be a voice in this uh, to end the stigma against athletes with mental health, um, you know, who are going through it. And, you know, but him coming back, I think that's the one thing that they've got to be very careful with um, just in terms of not putting that stigma on him. And be like, OK, well, you have to be really careful with Everson just because he's going through all this stuff. Sometimes normalcy is the best way. So, as I said, I mean, it's it's that double edged sword. How do you navigate this? We don't know. They clearly, you know, this is going to be uncharted territory for the Vikings as well. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios, uh, Purple Live with uh, Courtney Cronin, Matthew Collar comes up next. But right now, we wrap up today's Mackie and Judd show. Wrapping with Royce. What's going on, sir? How are you? I was just thinking I uh, covered every World Series from 1981 to 2005, and it opens tonight, and I haven't tweeted about it all day. <laughs> well, we agree. Baseball's got I, uh, baseball got a problem, Patrick. We agree we on that. Got a problem. Yeah, well, now you have two of your glamour teams, so we'll see how. Yeah, I mean, you you got to figure you'll get somebody in L.A. to watch and everybody in New England to watch, so the ratings probably won't be too bad. But uh, what they don't need is any four-hour and five-minute nine-inning games. That's what they don't need. And the chances of that not happening are? <laughs> I don't know. Well, these teams use starting pitchers, so that's yeah. one benefit. They actually use starting pitchers, so we like that. So that'll be good. 30 years ago, can you imagine the excitement for this? Red Sox-Dodgers. 30 years ago, we have, we all would have been talking about this all week long and been excited. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's uh, what? They haven't played since. Nineteen. They haven't played in a World Series since what? Nineteen eighteen or something. Oh, was, I, I, I think it was nineteen sixteen. I think they said. <laughs> they weren't Sid even called the it. Dodgers back then. They called something else. Sid was there well, for. That's not true, though. I saw I, everybody saying their nickname was the Robins, but there's somebody. Uh, Ober, uh, uh Keith Olbermann sent out a, a a poster from that World Series yesterday that did say Dodgers versus Red Sox. Really? Okay. So maybe the official nickname was the Red Sox, but they already had all started to call it. The fans had already all started. I mean, the official name was the Robins, but maybe the fans had started calling them the Dodgers by then. So anyway. Did you see who was leading off for the Dodgers tonight, sir? Uh, Brian Dozier? Yes, the second baseman. He's leading off tonight for L.A. Well, uh, lefties, they got their lefty lineup in there, and uh, uh, you know, I I heard them talking uh, yesterday about one of those pre-shows and they were talking about every team 
that goes to the World Series, it seems, picks up a guy that helps. And they were talking about how much Steve Pierce has done for the Red Sox against left-handed pitching because mm-hmm. they're so uh, they're so left-handed. That guy's been a monster for them, and he'll be in there hitting about fourth tonight. I haven't looked at the lineup yet, but uh, anyway. Uh, say I uh, talked to Tracy Clay's last night for 35 minutes. Yes. I just uh, they they just posted a column on that now, so he's uh, he's doing okay out there. Uh, they they beat Oregon last week. They're ranked 14th in the country. Still a little bitter, but uh, <laughs> you don't blame you can't blame him for that. And I I used uh, so I, I used the stuff that uh, he was willing to say. So. Anyway, did you uh, did you happen to ask him about his thoughts on his former team's defensive performance on Saturday? No, we uh, kind of avoided that. And if we did, it wouldn't have been anything that I would have used because uh, he didn't uh, want to. Uh, <laughs> he didn't want to get in a real uh, long distance uh, urinating contest with them. But he's you know he's uh, I don't think he would have. You know the the trouble is some of those guys are still his guys, so he probably didn't uh, yeah. enjoy it that that much. You know, Rob but, uh, Rob Smith, sir, should be in trouble here, though. You can't have a oh, defense dude, be this no bad. Doubt that this little worm is not going to fire him and use him as a scapegoat. There's no, it's a hundred percent that this little guy's going to fire him. He's a scapegoater. He's a Brewster like. He'll find a scapegoat. Don't worry about that. I have full confidence in him finding a scapegoat. So how many how many yards did Nebraska have against the Gophers in 1983, Pat? Uh, Seven ninety, but the, they only ran. We beat them, uh, Manny, in time of possession that game. <laughs> they only had the ball for like twenty one minutes. Because every play was seven, running for eighty yards or something like that. Ninety yards, but only I think it was I don't know maybe it was like thirty seven to twenty three or something time of possession. <laughs> Uh, you know the Gophers were in trouble when the six-string quarterback in about the middle of the fourth quarter, some white kid from the sticks in Nebraska who ran 100 in about 14 seconds, rolled out and scut upfield and started looking around guys for guys to tackle him, and there was nobody there. He ran about 60 yards. So 21 touchdowns in Big in Big Ten play against Patrick, and the average length of each touchdown play 31 and a half yards. Mm-hmm. That was the Star Tribune yeah, stat I saw Monday. Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, it's pretty astounding, but uh, I'm, I'm, maybe it's not a defensive coordinator. We all, the greatest invention in the history of football coaching was the guy who named coordinators. The first guy to name coordinators who then could say, okay, offense stinks. It's not my fault. It's his fault. Okay, the defense stinks. It's not my fault. It's his fault. Uh, they, it gave them guys to fire. And Pat, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it doesn't get any easier against Indiana on Friday. <laughs> well, uh, you know what, Manny? You're always favored to beat Indiana at home. <laughs> you can't be bad enough not to be favored over Indiana. We are a football juggernaut for the last 50 years compared to Indiana. Indiana is embarrassed they even have a football team. They would prefer not to have to field one. See you, Royce. Talk to you tomorrow. Purple Live is next.